Now, I believe that most people believe emotionally. I believe we do a lot of things emotionally rather than intellectually. They say people often buy a car because they get car fever, or they buy anything because they get emotional fever. So I believe most believe emotionally out of a personal experience rather than out of scientific evidence. I don't believe many people actually believe because they looked at the evidence. I believe they already believed, and then they looked at the evidence, and it helped, but they already believed. There was an old man who was a witness of a burglary, and he appeared in court to identify the burglar, the one who did the crime. The prosecuting attorney called him up, asked him to identify the man, and he pointed to the man sitting at the table just a few feet away as the man who did the crime. And he's, then the defense attorney got up trying to dissuade him. Well, he's an elderly man. So he got up and said, did you see my client commit this burglary? And he said, yes, I saw him plainly, plainly commit the crime. And then the lawyer adds, well, this happened at night. Are you sure you saw my client commit this crime? And the older gentleman said, yes, I saw him do it. And then he asked again, well, sir, you are 80 years old. And your eyesight probably is not as good as it once was. Just how far can you see at night? And he said, well... I don't know. I can see the moon. How far is that? (laughs) I think personal experience is powerful, and it's powerful evidence. There are three months of moving to a farm. A guy named Bob Olson saw that he had a serious problem. He was in Carolina, and there was a utility pole on the corner of his driveway, not just on his property, but on the corner of his driveway. And this utility pole there was in the way. In fact, so much in the way that four visitors to his house in just a few days had backed into it with their car. Four visitors. So Bob called the power company and uh, said, uh, we've got a, a hazard in the driveway. The pole needs to be moved. So the power company sent a supervisor out to evaluate it. The supervisor looked at the pole and then evaluated the problem and decided it's not really a problem and we're not going to move the pole. It'll be too expensive. And as the man was disappointed, and so the supervisor got in his car and backed up and then thud. And it shook the entire house and... He sent a group out the next morning to fix the pole. (laughs) See, personal experience is powerful, isn't it? It's one thing when it happens to somebody else's car, but when it happens to yours. Personal experience is powerful. It's more powerful than we imagine. There was a young American engineer who was sent to Ireland. He was on his company, sent him there to work in an electronics company. He was there for two years on assignment. But he had a girlfriend 
and they were probably going to get married, but they were very poor. They lived up in Tennessee, and uh, they wanted to earn enough money that they could get married, and so he took the job and went to Ireland, but uh, she had her, her a job, and they couldn't be together, and so they hoped to pool their money and just save up enough in two years to have a down payment on a house. Well, they rode often and uh, trying to keep that love alive. You know, absence makes the heart sometimes wander or grow fonder. But uh, they were apart and she began to express some doubts in her letters that he was being true to her because there were a lot of pretty Irish lassies there, you know. I mean, hopefully he's staying true to her. And he wrote back and he declared his passionate love for her and that he was paying no attention to the girls. He did say this, I admit it that sometimes I'm tempted, but I fight it and I'm keeping myself for you. So then he received a package back from his girlfriend. And the package contained a note with a harmonica. The note said this, I'm sending this to you so you can learn to play it and have something to take your mind off the girls. And so he wrote her back, thank you for the harmonica. I'm practicing on it every night and thinking of you. Well, the two years ended and he got on the first plane to go back to see his girlfriend. He's going back to company headquarters. And he, as soon as he got off the plane, he saw her and he started kind of running toward her. And when he about got there, she was there with all of her family. And he just about to grab her and hug her. And she put up her hand like that and said, just hold it there a minute, Billy Bob. Before any serious kissing and hugging is going to get started here, let me hear you play a tune from that harmonica. Personal experience, personal example is powerful and it's evidence of something. And you're giving evidence of something by the way you live. When it's excessively hot in Florida, I hear people talk about climate change. When it's moderate, nobody believes in it. Most believe emotionally. You may not want to admit this, but most of us believe emotionally out of personal experience rather than scientific evidence. But there is proof offered in Scripture, and it's the proof of these witnesses. I want to look at that, and then I want to turn this lesson around for you. The examples are five, basically, in this text. Read them with me, and we'll look at them. The after Christmas special witness of the pastors. And that's Latin word for shepherd. In Luke chapter 2 verses 15 through 20 it says, So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. They had just received this message from the angels that's Born to you this day is the Savior, Christ the Lord. Verse 16, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Verse 17 of this passage, it says, Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying, so they told everybody, made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. 
And all those, this is verse 18, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. We're hearing it today, by the way. They're witness to us that they did, in fact, find this child as the angels had said. Verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Micah 4 and verse 8 talks about the tower of the flock. So there was meant to be shepherds there that night by prophecy. So we have evidence by these men's witness that a man, child, was born and he was to be a savior. The second witness is beginning in verse 21, and that's the after Christmas special witness of the parents themselves. In verse 21 it says of Luke 2, And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, this being Jewish custom circumcision, his name was called Jesus. That's when you declared his name at the circumcision. His name was called Jesus. Well, the priest wouldn't have been able to give him that name. That's the parent's duty. And the name given by the angel. Oh, so it wasn't really their idea to name him this before he was conceived in the womb. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 explain that further when it says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, And she would bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and here's the reason you call him Jesus, for he will save, Jesus meaning Savior or Deliverer or Redeemer. He will save his people from their sins. So he's called Jesus because he would save them from the sins. That's all again a witness, not only that this is an unusual child, but this is a Savior of the world from sin. So that's the second witness, which is the parents themselves, which is a strong witness. The third witness is the after Christmas special witness of the priests themselves. Look what happens in verses 22 through 24. Now, when the days of a purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, if you're Catholic, you need to pay special attention to what we're about to read here. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the wound shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer, verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. That's from Leviticus 12 and verse 8. And it says, and if she is not, this is Leviticus 12 verse 8. And if she is not able to bring forth a lamb, because they didn't have very much money, this is a poor couple. Then she may bring two turtles or two turtle doves or two young pigeons. That's what they did. One as a burnt offering and the other as a sin offering. That's critical uh, if you're listening. So the priest shall make atonement for her. It's a sin offering to make atonement for her and she will be clean. Now, of course, if she is immaculately conceived, she did not need a sin offering, did she? So not only is there evidence by the priest that there was a child born, but that this was by a sinner that had a child who needed a savior. Her own child would end up being her savior. And then there's the after Christmas special witness of those that were pious there. 
very religious man, particularly in verse 25 of Luke chapter 2. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just. That's a righteous term. It means to do all things right toward everyone else. And this man was just and devout. That means his relationship to God was the same. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. That means he believed that there was salvation coming through Israel. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. God doesn't put his spirit upon an unrighteous individual. Verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. Verse 27. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. So the Spirit literally led him to do this that day. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of law, what we just looked at a minute ago. Verse 28, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. I'm finally getting to die. So I guess he maybe wasn't doing that well. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He had seen the salvation of God. So again, he's witnessing that this is a special child and that salvation would come from that child. Verse 31, which you have prepared before the face of all the people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. That's for you and me or the rest of the world. And the glory of your people Israel. That was for them at that time. Verse 33, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rise of many in Israel. Talking about salvation and resurrection. And for a sign which will be spoken against. That is the cross and the resurrection itself. Verse 35. A sword will pierce through your own soul also. That's through Mary. And the thoughts of many... Uh, many hearts may be revealed. That's the change in our hearts. So again, this is a witness by a righteous man, a good man at that time, who saw what he believed was the consolation of Israel and the salvation of Israel, that this was not a normal, regular, run-of-the-mill, miracle child, but a special miracle child. And then number five, it's the after Christmas special witness of the prophets. It says in verse 36, now there was one Anna. Now, remember, Simeon was not a prophet. He's just a righteous man. He did not proclaim the future. That is not something. He had not been given that gift. This woman, on the other hand, had that gift. And now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with the husband seven years from her virginity. So he's been gone a long time. Verse 37, and this woman was a widow of about 84 years. That was quite old at that time. It's not so young now, but it was especially old then. Who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings, prayers, nights and days. So basically people knew that this prophetess was there and they got words from her because she was constantly in the presence of God serving him through worship. Verse 38, and coming in that instant, so she came in the same moment as uh, Simeon had said that, and she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. This is not a normal child. Redemption is coming through this child. That's the message of all of these witnesses. So that's quite a lot of evidence. Such witness 
should comfort us, should make us believe, should convince us. But here's the point that I want to make. Not everybody's convinced by such a thing as this. People have read this passage many, many times and not necessarily believed. You should believe because of it. You should believe that this was a special child and that Christ is the Lord. You should, and that should be enough to convince you. But not everybody's there because a lot of people believe emotionally out of personal experience rather than scientific evidence. Going back to what I started off, remember? A lot of people believe that. Emotional witnesses and evidence is rather powerful. Let me give you what I'm talking about here. For those who need a stronger evidence, let me give you three. These are probably the strongest evidences we have that he was special. One is Paul himself. Paul himself is a persecutor of the church. He did not believe Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. He did not believe He rose from the dead. He did not believe any of this. And he believed that religion called Christianity needed to be annihilated. And he was doing the best he could to do just that. And he was putting people in prison and beating others and trying to get them to deny that what they had already believed. And yet Paul converts... And then dies for this faith he had condemned. Now we know that we wouldn't normally do that ourselves, don't we? We would not normally be out to destroy something and then turn on a whim and die for the thing we were out to destroy. That would be rare for us, right? Me personally. Forget Paul. I'm talking about me. It becomes personal when you think of it that way, doesn't it? But then there's also not only that that evidence, but the evidence of the conversion of James. Now, James was the Lord's brother. And we're told that James, along with all of his brothers, did not believe he was the Son of God. Would you believe your brother was the Son of God? There is no way on this planet that I would believe my brother was the Son of God. I love my brother most of the time. And so, you know... And liking some of the time. And so there is no way that I would, nobody could convince me that my brother was the son of God. Nobody could convince me. Unless, of course, I saw him die. And then I saw him rise from the dead. And then suddenly I might suddenly believe that my brother might be somebody special. But before that, I would not believe. What a witness. And see, now that's personal, isn't it? Would you believe? But if you saw him rise, would you believe? You see, those are strong evidences, aren't they? And that's personal. You know how that feels. But the evidence of conversion that's the most personal and the strongest, I believe, is when we personally know we were embroiled in sin. Oh, I know about that. I was embroiled in sin. And then... To have the change that's come over our life. Amen? I mean, I cannot deny something happened to me. Amen? Something's changed me. Now, there's a renowned artist called Paul Gustave Dorr. He lived back in the 1800s, died in 1883. He lost his passport while he was going through Europe. And he got to a border crossing and he didn't know where his passport was. He explained to one of the guards that was at the border. And he says, I, I don't know where it's at. I, I just don't know. 
And so he says, but this is who I am. And he, he thought maybe the border guard might recognize him since he was kind of famous at the time, this artist. And so he gave his name out as Dor and uh, thinking maybe they'd know who he was, but they didn't know who he was. So the official at the border said, all right, we'll give you a test. And if you pass it, we'll allow you to go through. And he handed him a pencil and a piece of paper. And he said, you see all these peasants standing around here? If you are who you claim to be, if you're really an artist, you should be able to draw them pretty convincingly. Go at it. And within just a few minutes, less than five minutes, he had drawn such a great picture of the people just standing around. They were convinced and they let him through without a passport. His deed convinced them of who he really was. Now listen, biblical witnesses aren't always enough, but listen to me, personal experience, personal example is powerful. What we do, more than what we say, gives great evidence that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then I'm telling you, if you want to convince the world, it isn't through facts and figures as much as it is through you. Another guy, his name was Fritz Chrysler. Now, Fritz Chrysler was a violinist. And he had to travel from his home in uh, Germany to London where he was supposed to give a performance. And he was sailing there. This is the days of boats. And he was traveling there. And so he got out, looking around, had a few hours to kill. And he wandered into a music shop. You know, naturally, he's a violinist, goes to the music shop. And while there, the proprietor of the store said, could I see your violin for a minute? And he said, sure. And he pulled it out and he was looking at it. And uh, all of a sudden he put it back and he disappeared. He shot out of there. He came back with two policemen. He says, you're under arrest, they said. Why is that? What for? He says, well, you have Fritz Chrysler's violin. He said, I am Fritz Chrysler. He says, you can't pull that on us. Come along. And he's knowing he needed to get to his boat. He said, wait, 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 wait. Can I just play one of Fritz Chrysler's tunes? And did y'all know? So he pulled out the violin and he played it. And when he got through, he turned to him and says, now, does that satisfy you? And they all said, yeah, that's, that's good enough. See, it's, it is by what you do more than what you say. Are you listening to me? You want to convince the world that this is real, that Jesus Christ really was born, that he really did die for the sins of the world, that he rose again. It's by the change that's happened in you. And if there's no change that's happened in you, the where is the real proof? You're saying, oh, I got to throw all these facts and figures. No, 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 no. You be different. You be so different that the world goes... There must be something to this. Titus 1 verse 16. You can deny the faith by disobedience. Are you proof that Jesus lived? Or are you evidence that Jesus never even existed? Are you the evidence or are you the evidence that Jesus is just fake news? That he's a hoax. Matthew 23, 14. Are you the kind of believer that does things out in public for a pretense? 
You make long prayers for a pretense, but you really aren't that person at all. You know what? You need to pay attention to what I'm fixing to say because it's going to hit a lot of us right between the eyes. Your kids see it. Well, I just don't understand why my kids... Really? You don't? Your friends see it. I can't understand why I can't reach my friends. Really? Listen closely. You either are evidence that he is the son of God or your evidence that he is a fake. What are you? So you want to become stronger proof? You want to teach the world that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Be different. Begin today. Be different. You can repent of your sins, confess the name of Christ, and be baptized today. But you know, you still got to accept the change. This business about being a Sunday-only Christian, that's for the birds, folks. That's not for us. If you aren't different, if you aren't different, if you aren't different, then you're not different. And you're no message to anybody. Not to your family. Your husband, your wife knows. Your children know. Your cousin knows. That guy at work you barely see. He knows. They know. It's in your attitude. It's in your behavior. It's not just in your talk. Anybody can say, oh, I love Jesus. I'll tell you something. People who have businesses that run around saying, I'm a Christian, scare me to death. Because usually they're the ones that take most of my money. Be the difference. Be the evidence. Be the proof. It's emotional. It's powerful. Be it. Become it. Make a decision today for it. If you will. While we stand and while we sing.